from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. Half of our overflow shelters are walk-up shelters. Uh, and so what is uh, recorded and get help uh, in real time sometimes is a bit challenging when someone's walking through the door of those walk-up shelters. For shelter, they have, uh, the person seeking the shelter has to be the one to call directly. Yeah, so frequently I call 211 to find shelter placements for folks that need it. Um, many times I'm with that person and they're using my phone, or a lot of times at night I'm calling for the people sometimes that Nicole is getting calls about in the hospital. The operator also said she wasn't able to look up bed availability until prodded to do so. Approximately 30 to 40 percent of the peep uh, beds that are filled in some of our shelters here in the city of St. Louis are filled by those who are not from the city of St. Louis. I'm Elaine Cha. United Way's 211 hotline is a taxpayer-funded service in St. Louis that aims to provide resources to people who are homeless but its failures often leave volunteers to pick up the slack. That's what volunteers told us last March, including Nicole Warrington. Nicole is a staff scientist in cancer research at Washington University by day, and by night, the STL Winter Outreach volunteer fields calls from social workers looking for resources for those who are homeless and find themselves in the ER. She told us that she has no idea how hospital staffers got her number, yet she dutifully answers their calls around the clock every day. Nearly a year since we last spoke with her, Nicole says things have not improved for people seeking overnight shelter beds. In fact, she says things are worse. And Nicole joins us today. Nicole, welcome. Thank you for having me. Also joining me in studio is Audra Yeomans, a St. Louis University student and STL Winter Outreach volunteer. Audra, welcome back. Thank you. And we also have Dr. Yusuf Scoggin, Director of the City of St. Louis' Department of Human Services. Dr. Scoggin, welcome. Thank you for having me. Now, before we begin, I want to underscore the intention behind this segment. We've come together here because our neighbors in St. Louis who do not have homes need shelter. And we're discussing what's been happening to meet that need, especially in these coldest months of the year. And we're doing so here on St. Louis on the Air to offer our larger community information and I hope some nuance that fosters understanding about ways we can think about and support fellow community members without stable housing. So while there may be disagreement on some points, today's conversation is meant to be a solutions-oriented exchange, not an adversarial one. So with that said, Dr. Scoggin, I mentioned in the intro that the United Way's 211 hotline is a taxpayer-funded service in St. Louis, and one of its aims is to provide resources to people who are homeless. Explain how 211 is supposed to work. So 211, as operated through the United Way, is a service that helps not only the city of St. Louis, but the entire region. In fact, it goes statewide to support those who are in uh, a vulnerable state, 
sometimes the unhoused, others who are in need of utility assistance or other supports, and they provide information for referral for those resources. Uh, that assists us in a variety of ways to make sure that folks know the resources that are closest to them as they identify their locations when they're speaking to an individual who uh, is on the receiving end. Uh, that support helps to also collect data uh, across the state around what are the real primary needs. Again, United Way is a funder as well, uh, and it helps to fund a number of nonprofits throughout the entire region uh, to help uh, offset the cost that it takes to support those who are most vulnerable. So they serve a variety of different roles. Now, Audra, how do you use this hotline? Yeah, so frequently I call 211 to find shelter placements for folks that need it. Um, many times I'm with that person and they're using my phone, or a lot of times at night I'm calling for the people sometimes that Nicole is getting calls about in the hospital because the social workers are so busy that it's like hard for them to wait on hold, um, and it's hard to break up the flow of the ED when patients are being assessed but won't be admitted. Mm-hmm. Now, Audra and Nicole, in March of 2022, you both told St. Louis on the Air that the city's 211 hotline was failing homeless people and leaving volunteers like you to pick up the slack. Now, nearly a year later, what has changed, Nicole? Well, I'm still receiving lots of requests for shelter from hospital emergency departments. I'm in the process of tabulating how many I've received since the beginning of November of 2022, and I'm over 100 requests for shelter, and that does not include the calls for people who ultimately found other places to stay. So there is still a desperate need for access to shelter. One thing that has changed is that we now have the get help system that people are um, onboarding too. And so that has been helpful. And the Get Help system, Dr. Scoggin, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. Uh, So I started with the city of St. Louis approximately 15 months ago, and one of the uh, entry points was to ensure that we were listening uh, to community needs, uh, both from those who were directly experiencing hardship. And one issue was to make sure that they had real-time information for a little bit of background. The United Way and the 211 system is highly dependent upon operators of shelters to provide accurate and up-to-date information around availability of beds, as well as what the eligibility criteria is around that entry. Uh, and so to that end, it previously, under the old system, uh, meant that 211 operators and or shelter operators were calling in twice a day to provide those updated information. However, obviously that's not real time. So implementing the Get Help system provides a more user-friendly system for shelters to update information, to provide accurate information for 211 operators to deploy individuals to available shelter beds. Additionally, it provides a platform for outreach workers to know what beds are available and make referrals accordingly. Uh, That has um, been implemented and it's still a work in progress as we work through some of the details uh, around some of the the pieces of the data that we've evaluated. Um, But during the month of December, uh, it resulted in nearly 300 uh, referrals being made through that system, approximately 60% of those being made uh, by outreach workers, uh, some paid for and some otherwise. 
hospital systems are feeding into the system. So I think over a period of time, you will see a, a greater use of the system uh, and therefore an opportunity for folks to be able to truly understand real-time bed availability. And so, Audra, as you are hearing this and considering you know, how often you have called 211 on behalf of someone seeking a shelter bed, do you feel like you've seen any movement with the, the implementation of Get Help? No, not on like a large scale, not in a way that um, may be helping many people. Um, I believe a lot of the operators got access to it this past month. Before that, they didn't have access to it. Um, some may still, and that's a work in progress. I understand that it takes time to, under, to understand the platform and whatnot. But when these operators are going on that platform, they're seeing that there's no beds open for the night. Now, Nicole, a couple of nights ago, around 8 p.m., you received a call from a social worker at a local emergency department, and they contacted you about a man at the ER who needed shelter for the night. Our producer, Emily Woodbury, joined a Zoom call with you and Audra, and Audra dialed 211 to see how they might be able to help. After a five-minute hold, Audra was able to speak with an operator. Here's a portion of that call that we've edited for clarity and time. We appreciate your patience. This is calling United Ways 211. How can I speak? Hi, I'm looking for shelter for a 33-year-old man. Okay. Is he with you? Not at this moment, but he is in um, the ER and not being admitted. So, for shelter, they have uh, the person seeking the shelter has to be the one to call directly. So, if you if you can get him on the line or something, gotcha. So, work. so he's being evaluated in the emergency room, which makes it a little difficult to coordinate that while managing everything going on in the ED. Um, so, if you could mm-hmm. even tell me if there is a bed available at all, um, I've called a few times and they've been more than willing to at least like check for me ahead of time. Okay, so it, I can't tell you that because I don't. I don't even have access to know if there's anything available. We have to call. I have a there's a, a representative that we call, but she's going to add details. Like she's going to add me his name, date of birth, phone number, and then she's going to want to talk with him. Gosh, and I have all of that. If you could transfer me and just find out before I like interrupt the whole flow of the ED, if possible. Audra was then put on hold for another five minutes while the operator checked with their supervisor. When the operator came back, they had some additional information, but unfortunately, none that would help the man seeking shelter. I like to there. Uh huh. Okay. So unfortunately, there isn't any more availability in the um, St. Louis City or County for tonight. Oh, and the, so there's no shelter beds in the whole re- open shelter beds? No. No. Gotcha. And that representative you were going to transfer me to, were you able to connect with her? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So she said there was no bed. Yes, correct. Gotcha. Um, and just out of curiosity, how do you all track that? What do you mean? How do you track, like, where beds are open and aren't? Like, do you have access to get help? Yes, I do. But, no, I didn't. Um, I don't know how they track it. So if there's nothing in get help, I have to call a representative. Gotcha. And is that DHS? 
I'm not, I'm not 100% sure. Gotcha. Okay, so since there's there's no beds in the city or the county, um, do you have any recommendations of where he can go tonight? Since he's, he's chronically unhoused, so, I mean, he can't, like, go make up with anyone or anything? Yeah, no. I'm not 100% sure. You may be able to call um, the non-emergency police number. Sometimes they know, uh, like, proper places where people can go sometimes. Okay, thank you. That was a call to United Way's 211 hotline recorded just this Wednesday evening. Nicole, you're basically functioning as 211 for the hospital. Why is the hospital depending on you to be a referral source for shelter? My guess, I haven't asked them, my guess would be that they can message me and I can do that legwork so that they don't have to sit on the phone with 211. Um, I have access to get help. And though they also have access to get help, at least some of the social workers do, there, there are nuances to understanding the bed availability. So even if, they, even if a bed, uh, shelter shows availability, that shelter may not be appropriate for the person seeking shelter. So a women's shelter, for example. If, even if they have a bed, you need to know that it's a woman's shelter. Mm-hmm. That bed's not, not available. Did you find out what happened with that 33-year-old man? Yeah, so the last we heard, I, after we got off the 211 call, I contacted a space in East St. Louis and left a message. That is a place that sometimes men are able to go. And unfortunately, I did not hear back. Dr. Scoggin, there are several aspects of the edited call that we played that highlight the challenges in finding a shelter bed. And Nicole has also mentioned some of those, the the nuances of determining what is available and what is not for a given person. There's the wait time, right? Those experiencing homelessness may not be able to borrow a phone for that long. As in the case, you know, Audra, when you have people with you, they're using your phone or they may not have enough time in their plan to make calls like that. The call we heard, um, it ran for 13 minutes. The operator also said she wasn't able to look up bed availability until prodded to do so. That might be a, a gap in, in the training that people are getting to catch up with what is happening with Get Help. And then when the operator did come back with a number of beds available, that number was zero. Does anything about that recording, Dr. Scoggin, either surprise or, or trouble you? So I think there there are a few things to that. Um, certainly access for hospital systems and the like uh, are important. I think what's also um, important to understand that half of our overflow shelters are walk-up shelters. Uh, and so what is uh, recorded and get help uh, in real time, sometimes is a bit challenging when someone's walking through the door of those walk-up shelters. And so that's why, uh, to some degree, that backup and evaluation of uh, what is real time for some of those moment-to-moment check-ins sort of comes into play. When it comes to a overall shelter bed availability conversation, I think it's important to understand a few things. Uh, One is that the city of St. Louis, as a general population in the region, represents about 15 to 18 percent of the population. Uh, 
city of St. Louis also for its homeless population uh, accounts for approximately 40% of the overall homeless individuals in the entire region. Yet, when we look at the availability of shelter beds here in the region, we represent 64% of the shelter beds that are available. So when we think about, and then I will also say that uh, a very large percentage of much more than an insignificant less than 5% a number to the degree of approximately 30 to 40% of the peep sh- uh, beds that are filled in some of our shelters here in the city of St. Louis are filled by those who are not from the city of St. Louis. And so we have to understand, I think, the nuance to this conversation, which includes a regional understanding of what homelessness is about, how it, uh, how it comes to be, and then ultimately what is being resourced relative to this. The city of St. Louis has deployed tens of millions of dollars of ARPA funds to support uh, as the only community in the region that's actually increased the number of beds available year over year since the pandemic. Last year, we had 130 overflow beds. This year, we have 180. Uh, And we continue to support individuals in need in spite of approximately 30 to 40 percent of those uh, entering our beds not being from St. Louis. We have individuals being transported from as far as Troy, Missouri, Jefferson uh, County, St. Joseph, Missouri, et cetera. So the reality is that many of the nonprofits that do great work in the city of St. Louis have been here for a long time providing services so awareness about beds uh, is clearly uh, out in the community for the city of St. Louis. However, that same awareness is not uh, in existence or available in those other communities. And that becomes the real challenge. Just one last quick component. Um, When you look at uh, shelter beds, particularly for single men, uh, we have uh, one of the only communities, and that's here in the city of St. Louis, that has year-round shelter bed availability for single men. And so that 33-year-old gentleman on that call falls into that category. And the degree to which the conversation uh, needs to be had around regional support for those who are the most vulnerable, when we, again, only make up 18% of the population, 60% of those who are unhoused or experience homelessness are emanating from these other communities, we need to have a collective dialogue about resourcing Uh, and advocacy in all of the spaces and places for which people are experiencing hardship. Last thing I'll say is we recognize in the deployment of our plan this year, it's not just to increase the number of beds, but those beds are operating for the first time 24 hours a day, and they exist in six different locations, some of which are also in South St. Louis, which has not existed. So our goal is to not just make sure that quantity is there, quality of service by being able to provide people with case management during the daytime and access being available because they're located throughout the city of St. Louis. We are looking forward to the same being the case across the entire region. We need to take a quick break here, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation about the 211 hotline and its effectiveness in connecting our homeless St. Louis neighbors with shelter beds. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio.
Now, to return to our conversation, Dr. Scoggin, uh, hearing that call we heard before the break, were you happy with the way it went, or do you see opportunities for improvement? Yeah, there's always opportunity for improvement. Certainly the wait times, we uh, always work with our vendors uh, to see to it uh, that as quick of a response as possible uh, can be achieved. Uh, Certainly we have a number of folks who are calling for a variety of reasons, uh, not um, singularly for unhoused purposes or seeking shelter, and sometimes that might be a challenge. Uh, So we'll work with the providers to evaluate that and monitor that. Uh, I think what we want to do is ensure that vulnerable individuals are really exploring all options uh, to make sure that only those who are absolutely in need of shelter and have no other resources are entering such services. There, It goes beyond just uh, general emergency shelter as well, uh, but we have domestic violence shelters and several other components of this system that, if not appropriately referred to, Uh, tend to uh, also limit the number of general shelter beds available because of those inappropriate referrals. So I think there's a lot of sort of nuance again to this, a lot of data points for which it's hard to describe fully on this call, but uh, it does get a better appreciation for the challenges that are faced and ultimately the solutions that will be rendered. Audra, how does Dr. Scoggins' response strike you as someone who's like an everyday citizen who does volunteer work. Yeah, so I think all of, I hope all of these conversations are happening every day in the social service world. Um, that's not necessarily where I spend my day or what I do during the day, um, and most people do not. So my interest has always been and always will be the transparency for the general public of are all these beds available? How do people access them? If they're 24 hours, are they access accessible 24 hours a day, which we found they're not? And how do people get to them if they don't know where they are? And this answer has always been to call 211, but when we call 211, no information is given. Nicole, what is one thing that would help you do your work more effectively, given what we have heard uh, over the last several minutes? I think I'm, I'm happy to hear an acknowledgement that our system is overburdened because it is, we don't have enough shelter. And I was struck, and I think Audra also probably, we call 211 frequently and we rarely if ever get beds. And so when we start telling other people that this is the case, they are frequently surprised. And so one thing that I think would be helpful is when the messaging is put out as it was over the holidays when we were with such dangerously cold weather that there were shelter available, call 211 to get it, that that makes it hard because if people in the community know there is a need that you can't just call 211 and get shelter, they're more likely to step up to the plate. I mean, we do this on a volunteer basis. The community is happy to help, but we have to be upfront that there is a need so there's expectation, expectation, reality, setting, setting up the, um, setting up ways of communicating what is out there and what's possible. Dr. Scoggin, in terms of what is happening with grant funding, a lot of the time people are going to be talking about money. Grant funding from any source typically comes with rules for where and how it's spent, and that's true of the. American Rescue Plan Act, or ARPA, 
grant money, which came into city coffers in June of 2022. And there are certain standards that outreach organizations must meet in order to get or even apply for funding. What are the limitations of the ARPA money granted to the city insofar as making it possible for folks like Audra and Nicole and others who are are trying to support our, our homeless population? What are some of the, the limitations there? Yeah, federal guidelines uh, certainly are set at a, at a level that uh, we don't control, and that dictates the ARPA funds. However, uh, there are ways in which we can uh, bring more providers to the table that support just a div- diversification and an increased capacity in that regard. And so we have been able to do that this year. We brought on a new provider, uh, the Southside location I specifically spoke of, is a new provider, a grassroots organization uh, that uh, we've supported through this process and we're happy to have as a partner. Additionally, uh, we are funding another uh, entity called AmeriCorps uh, that uh, Winter Outreach often uh, works with uh, that supports this effort as well. Uh, And we have also uh, provided a whole series of supplies, cots, blankets, and a whole host of other uh, supplies for uh, organizations that are doing this work. Uh, There is not an ability uh, for us in City Hall uh, to uh, just write blank checks or to hand out dollars without an organization or some level of structure uh, to the system uh, that might receive those resources. But we're happy to support in any other way, and we're happy uh, to provide trainings and also a one-on-one dialogue with organizations around how they can increase capacity and how they can be funded in the future. Dr. Yusuf Scoggin, Director of St. Louis's Department of Human Services, Nicole Warrington, Staff Scientist in Cancer Research at Washington University, an STL Winter Outreach Volunteer, and Audrey Yeomans, St. Louis University student and STL Winter Outreach Volunteer joined us today to talk about the 211 hotline and its effectiveness in connecting our homeless St. Louis neighbors with shelter beds. Thank you for being with us today. You too. This episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. 
Choosewood.com.